right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and friends beyond the binary, it's time for the podcaster uh, patrons that you support and hopefully... I don't support you. I like, uh, you know, get you room to sink in and get comfortable. I don't know. You know, I support healthy sleep, and you support me. Thanks. Uh, hey, are you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, uh, trouble getting to sleep, trouble staying asleep? Well, welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that puts you to sleep. We do with a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights, and press play. I'm going to do the rest. Uh, What I'm going to attempt to do is create a safe place where you could set aside whatever is keeping you awake, whether it's thoughts, feelings, physical sensations, changes in time or temperature, uh, changes in your routine, maybe you're traveling. Whatever's keeping you awake, I'd like to take your mind off of that. Create a safe place to do so. Or, you know, level of trust where you let me do so. And uh, then what I'll do is I'll send my voice across the deep, dark night. I'll use lulling, soothing, creaky, dulcet tones, pointless meanders, uh, superfluous tangents, uh, like uh, extra di- extra words, misplaced words, uh, concerns of mine that then I try to um, make more sleepy and dreamy. Because I was thinking about travel, and then I said, oh, well, I had something I was thinking about. Uh, and all the whole idea is the podcast is here to keep you company while you drift off. Uh, now, if you're new, here's a couple of things. I'm glad you're here. How you doing? Come on. Uh, come on. You don't have to come on in. You, you could, This is the kind of place uh, in podcasts where, because they really don't like that. I don't know why. I, just, I mean, I, I did it because I said I want you to feel welcome but I also want you to, here's a, this, I get, is this a paradox? I want that you to feel so welcome. You could feel un, like you could feel unwelcome. You know what I'm saying? Like where you say, cause I don't like it when I'm standing somewhere looking in at a distance and that's my, I say, well, this is my safe place outside your store, looking in, seeing what you're up to and seeing what your angles are and, you know, trying to check if there's any funny business, uh, so then when you say, hey, you see you looking in the store, come on in. The air is just fine in here. I said, well, I'll be the judge of that. Thank you. Your friendly tone is doing nothing to earn my trust. And then they, then sometimes the people won't get it and they'll say, you get a lot better view from uh, up close. And I say, I don't care if they call this Main Street USA. It doesn't, doesn't make me feel it just like, a, you know, it doesn't clarify my... It's going to take me a while. In this podcast, I say, you want to stay outside? Go right ahead. I, I, you, you, like ideally that you could hear it wherever you are. I, I would say the air's just fine where you are, wherever you are. You want to come in? Come on in. You want to get a little bit closer? You could, and then you say, well, I prefer to bat. You know, I say, let me just, you could look at me through opera glasses or a microscope or and I don't know if you, I wonder what you'd see if you used an oscilloscope or whatever that thing is. You'd say, holy, I didn't even know this thing could pick up creaky dulcet tones. But you're off the charts on the creaky dulcet tones and pointless meanders. And I'd say, excellent. So if you, you, you oh, what was I saying? If you're new, I'm glad you're here. But if you don't buy that, that's great too. Like, seriously, if you're skeptical about this podcast, I totally understand 
just wait till I try to explain to you what it is if you think you're skeptical now. So, but I mean, I would be skeptical. That's what I mean. Who who says they're going to put you to sleep, right? They say, come on inside this mattress shop. You know, we just want to get you settled in here. You say, no, thanks. I got, I got it covered on the internet. Uh, so, oh, what was my point? Uh, oh, the, the show's like not, doesn't have a lot of points. But if you're new, structurally, what to expect, uh, Show starts off with a few minutes of business. You already heard that. That's more for the regular listeners. That's how we keep the podcast free for everybody. Then there's an intro, which is kind of a long, to some people it feels like a long, drawn-out, pointless description of the podcast, and that's exactly kind of what it is. Uh, You caught me. Maybe then, that would be how maybe the shopkeeper would, I guess if they gave me space to wander in there, like eventually, I would, w- w- they could earn my trust and rapport. They just say, "Hey, don't with the pressure to come in your store." I mean, I realize uh, they just they said, "Well, it's, I wasn't. I was just pr- trying to be friendly." And I'd say, "Right, I'm not like my fr- like uh, I don't get friends for friendship. I don't know. It's a par- I live in a paradoxical world. I don't know. I don't even understand it." <laughs> You don't be, don't win for, don't be, don't, you're not going to win any friends by being nice to me or, you know, the other way around either. It's a just, and, and hopefully I would have an imaginary Nana with me who would say, oh, don't pay him any mind. He doesn't. And I say, right, Nana, maybe, maybe this is where, maybe it harkens back to you. Nana, did you ever run a shop before? I'll get back to the new listeners. Are Oh, you're right, Nana. I should get back to the new listeners. That's my Nana. She lives in my mind uh, always at every moment. Uh, oh, he's over I say, yep, you're right, Nana. Over-exaggerating again. Uh, but so, oh, so the intro's a long intro. It's just like kind of, a, I try to make a metaphor of what the podcast is. And I never succeed. And in doing so, hopefully I put you to sleep or... So some listeners, for the intro, some listeners fall asleep, some listeners skip the intro, uh, but for the majority of listeners, it's kind of part of their wind-down routine. Like, almost like a, like watching someone else play a game that's relaxing. I don't know what that would be. And plus, I've piled too many metaphors on already. I say, I got Nana, I got whatever other metaphor I was making that I forgot about, and now I'm thinking of someone just using a yo-yo. I don't know. I don't know. I've never watched someone use a yo-yo before because it's kind of rare. And I mean, I, again, holy going off course, but, uh, the quality of yo-yos, the majority of yo-yos distributed are not the great, they're usually giveaways, right? At a birthday party. So there are high quality yo-yos. I think I may have owned one. Now I'm not a yo-yo, uh, like now I'm thinking of Yo-Yo Ma. So this is kind of, this is like a little bit of a meta view. This is really what my mind just kind of naturally does. But I was going to say the most famous company I think is Duncan that makes the good yo-yos. Also, there's a funny Simpsons episode about yo-yos. Also now I think I've got, like I'm stuck in a slippery part of my brain that just likes me saying yo-yo over over again. But if I if there was a if we, if there was another world where a lot of people use yo-yos and they were skilled at it or you know you don't have to be great just moderately good at like flicking it down oh what's a yo-yo 
Sorry, it's a, it's like this thing. You could look it up. On, I'm sure someone's got a great YouTube channel where they do yo-yo. And as a matter of fact, if you want to do a crossover episode, that would be relaxing just to see, just a relaxing. But I was saying, some listeners, the the the, the intros like that for them, just watching a yo-yo go up and down, and that's a pretty clear metaphor for uh, spinning spinning its wheels too. And walking the dog, I've done, I think I did all those things in this intro. Round the world, oh boy, did I go round, meandering around my world. And so that's the intro. Then there'll be a bedtime story. There's some business between the intro and the episode. Then there's a, a bedtime story. The intro is kind of like a bedtime story. It's kind of like a, like a stealth one. Or it's a bedtime story, wind up and cool down. But then we'll have a bedtime story. Uh, it'll be trending Tuesday style. Uh, I don't know what it's going to be yet. And then at the end of the show, we have thank yous and good nights. So, so it's the structure of the show. Clearly, I think if you've been listening, you probably figured out you don't really need to listen to this podcast. You don't have to really pay attention to it. Much like that yo-yo image, especially one that I don't know if they'll have ball bearings in them, the good ones, uh, or if that's the company that makes them. I'm trying to think when in my life. I think I've had two good yo-yos, but I don't remember them. I mean, I, I, in the 80s, there was like a yo-yo comeback. like, And I think that's what the Simpsons episode was about. Uh, but there was a butterfly yo-yo. I think I had one of those. And then later in life, uh, there was this uh, series of books called the Klutz Books. Uh, and I'm not going to say they named them after me, but uh, like I should have been getting paid for that. And I don't think I had a clutch yo-yo, but uh, I think I had the one of How to Tie Your Shoes. I don't know if that was actually a book or they just said, let's send this to Scoots and see if it's marketable. And then I was at the book, like it was actually at a bookstore. And I said, I can't, you know, my legs, to, to, I, I can't get my leg off this pole. I followed your tie the shoe book. Uh, and they said, well, you weren't supposed to lace the book to your shoes, sir. And I'd say, well, it's about, I said, really? It's interesting because there's shoelaces in this book. There's shoelaces in my shoes. Now they're one. Uh, that, I guess so, I guess I wasn't a beta tester for that book. I just was looking in the bookstore until I was on one, you know, my shoe was on one side of the pole, book was on the other, shoelaces in, in books between. And uh, so you can't do this on Amazon. Holy cow. It actually felt good. It really felt like it stretched my foot out. Uh, anyway, I don't even know what I was trying to explain. Oh, I think I was talking about yo-yos and just trying to remember. But at some point in my life, I had another quality yo-yo very briefly. I mean, here's maybe this could be the episode tonight. Is uh, I don't think so, though. But I'm sure there's a lot of forgotten yo-yos out there. Maybe that could be, I mean, I don't, I guess you like, uh, yeah, I mean, maybe there could be a song about the forgotten yo-yos. I've just overused the word already tonight, so I can't make an episode about it. But so anyway, my main message is I'm glad you're here. But this podcast is goofy. You don't need to listen to it. There's also no pressure to fall asleep. I'm here for about an hour to keep you company as you drift off at your leisure. You know, I make this show because I believe you deserve a good night's sleep, uh, and I want you to get it. Now, this doesn't work for everybody. Give it a few tries. See if it helps you. Uh, but really, like, uh, yeah, I, I mean, uh, yeah, that's what I'm, I'm here to help. I'm here to keep you company as you drift off. I strive and I work very hard.
because uh, I want to help you fall asleep. Thanks again for coming by. And here's a couple of ways we keep the show uh, going. All right, everybody. So tonight's a story uh, that uh, it's like a little bit of an exploratory story. And uh, I guess I was saying, which story did I remember that I was going to tell tonight? And uh, it comes from an intro uh, that, that came up at some point. And I realized, like, this, the, these characters really haven't come up in a while, like, so long ago that I barely remember them. Uh, there was the creators of the world-famous Purple People Circus, uh, whose names escape me, the founders. They were, it was uh, two people. And as far as I know, like, uh, they, so they founded this great circus, you probably, like, uh, it's not, you know, it doesn't have as much H-Y-P-E as some of the other circuses. And so you say, I've never heard of the Purple People's Circus. And you say, well, uh, one day you, you may, if you just happen to be at the right place at the right time in the right town square. And they, Phil, I think the last time we encountered it was when they discovered the great Phil Fushigi who was one of the like their newest members and that was the, so that was a famous tale and i think it was like uh i think when they first met the founding founders met uh via man what was it called not a mannequin's dummy a ventriloquist dummy and they fell in love and formed the purple people circus together great story uh I don't know, like, uh, what episode it was or uh, where it is, but uh, somewhere in my brain is a recall of it. And the reason was because I said, oh, wait a second. In that intro, I thought, like, it, there was this other character they had added uh, that, uh, like, because uh, they're always, you know, they travel the world performing, and then they check out the buskers, uh, the, the street performers, uh, the underground theaters of the world looking for the next uh, thing and trying to think it. And, and I, like, uh, like I knew about this even as a kid when I was a kid. And I said, one day I'd like to be in the, the, the one day, like, uh, if there's a circus called the Purple People's Circus, I'd like to be a part of it, uh, cause it sounds very dreamy, you know, purple. I said, would it be a purple top instead of a big top? Uh, and they seen it be a big purple top. Yeah, yeah, it would be. But this is a tale of a boy that joined the circus. Uh, a boy in 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 both a dilemma and in search of something. A boy, a tale of a boy in his wagon, and uh, his cat. Who his cat was named the corrugator of all things. And this boy, like, actually, like I say, he's a, he's a young man at the point where we catch him in the story, traveling the world uh, with a little, wa- like, a red wagon, a wobbly, wiggity wagon, and with his cat in there, and dancing. He was a break dancer, this, this young lad, who, whose name I will, will one day learn. For one day, he went to a, to, a, to a town square, and no one was there. Like, he had traveled to the city, and it was one of the great cities somewhere in uh, Eastern Europe. Um, and he actually was fluent in the language, and he, 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 he traveled to the city center, uh, like one of the square, great squares of the city. 
expecting to perform, but the the square was empty. And it was, you know, it was like one of those seasons where it wasn't a lot of tourists, but this square was presumably would have had, been, had people in it. And so he checked his watch, uh, checked it twice, uh, had a chuckle thinking about uh, Santa Claus checking a list, uh, and realized, yeah, wait a second, it's like a prime milling about a square time. Like it was Saturday at 2 p.m., and the day was nice. It wasn't too warm. It wasn't too cold. It was just seasonably seasonably temperate. And so the boy said, Corrugator, this is interesting. Where is everybody? And then the boy got out his cardboard uh, that he used to, to, to do his break dancing. And then he got out his boombox. Uh, and then he stretched. He would go through a routine of stretching. And he said, okay, well, where is everybody, you know, getting limbered up, you know, getting ready for an audience, doing some basic breaking moves, uh, but more so getting prepared for uh, what was what was to come. And still there's no no one, like three, even the pigeon population was low, like three pigeons flew by. And then the boy started to wonder, like, this isn't, this is something strange here. Like, uh, maybe I need to look about. And the boy kind of started to, 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 to quiet the mind and the, and the ins, to quiet down to, to see, like, uh, can I hear anything? Can I sense anything? And the boy thought he heard some, like, uh, murmuring, like a crowd murmuring somewhere. And maybe, well, I'm not familiar with this town. Maybe I picked the wrong square. Even though this is, like, the one that has the nice statues and it had benches and had cafes. Uh, and the boy said, oh, wait a second, even the cafes are are closed. Uh, huh, maybe it's a holiday or something. And the boy headed towards the murmuring. And as the boy headed towards the murmuring, went into like a, a part of the town where you'd say, okay, this is the old town, right? This is not the new town. This is the older section of the, the town. Or they, that's what the tourists would say. Oh, you're going to old town or new town? And so streets got to be winding. And the murmuring got a little more... Uh, uh, like, like coalesced, I guess you'd say. And the boy kept going towards the murmuring and then stopped in the middle of the street, Cobblestone Street, as, as a matter of fact. And the boy realized uh, the murmuring was nearby, but uh, couldn't tell if it was like a, to the left or the right. Uh, and then the boy realized, wait a second, the murmuring's coming from below my feet uh, is, is a murmuring of people in like a like a common me murmuring like kind of like the sound when people are waiting around for something to start uh, and he, he thought that was interesting so then he like uh, looked around and then he went down the side of this one building and realized that there was a courtyard and a set of stairs leading down on the side of the courtyard and so the boy headed down the stairs. Uh, again, there was a warm, calming murmuring. No, nothing, uh, 
you know, the boy was like, okay, I'm, I'm going for it. It totally sounds like a great, like whatever they're murmuring about, it's like a murmur of in chill anticipation. And then the boy realized, well, I better bring my wagon just in case because I don't, and of course, uh, corrugator. And then the boy realized, oh, wait a second, I like it. So then the boy ran all the way back to the town square. It got the, cor- got the cor- corrugated cardboard, the boombox, and the cat named the corrugator and said, good job, corrugator, keeping an eye on uh, everything. Sorry, I just was, you know, checking out that murmuring. In the corrugator, the cat stretched and put its hat da- head down on the corrugated cardboard. And also, because this kid is sharp, has a sweatshirt. So corrugator, the cat, curled up in the sweatshirt and went to sleep. Uh, now, meanwhile, the boy in his wiggity-wiggity wagon, if you if you ever seen like a wobbly wiggity wagon on a cobblestone street, um, it's almost like uh, where uh, one vibration vibrates another way. Like it was almost like they were made for one another. Uh, so instead of wobbling, the wagon went along uh, quite. It was like it was like almost like the anticipation, the wobbles and the cobbles uh, fit together. And the boy said, "That's interesting." And I think the corrugator, the cat, said, huh, this is weird. Like, usually this wagon's a lot more wobbly. So the corrugator wasn't actually asleep. Even though if you looked at the corrugator, you'd say it certainly looks like that cat's asleep. I could tell you that the corrugator was, uh, you know, taking everything in, as cats are known to do, because they're so wise, because they love sleep podcasters so much, who appreciate their wisdom uh, th- that's why, of course, every cat knows that and how wise they are. Even when they're being pandered to, they appreciate it. Uh, and the, the corrugator then, as they wobbled down the cobbles, uh, the corrugator put, 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 put its head up uh, and said, um, uh, like, huh, like, because uh, the corrugator had noticed, noticed the murmuring as well. And this young, young, young person, this young man, we'll call Zeke from that for now. Uh, Zeke swept up the wiggity wagon with cor, you know, I, I, I put it on it, the wagon on its, his hip, uh, and headed down the stairs, uh, towards the murmuring. And the, 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 the got to the bottom of the stairs, and there was a gate there. And the boy opened the gate, and he, you know, led into like a, a beautiful part of the old city. And what the boy didn't realize was like this was like as soon as the boy went through the gate into these like vaulted, this vaulted underground, that uh, there was candlelight. And it just happened to be like a special night in this town. So, oh, this is why everybody in the town is down in the underground. And, you know, it was a, there was a little bit of natural light filtering in, but then there was candles. There was also the old, you know, the LED candles. And everything gave it this warm element, you know, the, the those vaulted brick ceilings you see. Really like... A, Something that would be romanticized uh, if Zeke wasn't really there in person. 
And, oh, boy, did the corrugator like this because uh, it was just warm. You know, it didn't seem like uh, it was a cat's, like, like, not to say it was a cat's pajamas, uh, but they're not a lot of, like, uh, sub subterranean, sub-city levels. That cat, I mean, I, I'm just telling you from experience. Uh, now, you might say, well, an like, Zeke was, a, like, a busker cat, or not Zeke, uh, the corrugator, and uh, Zeke did call it the corrugator, Korg, or Korg, yeah, I don't know how to spell it, corrugator, so I think that's what he would say, or, like, cause for a while did call it Corgi, but that was too confusing for people that had that kind of dog, they said, that's a cat, uh, then Zeke started calling the corrugator Korg. And then uh, Zeke started to follow again the, the, the murmuring and quickly saw, like I said, the crowd was gathered there and they were murmuring in anticipation. People were kind of talking and because they think of like the, the ceilings were vaulted, but they weren't super high. And because of the low light, no one was like, uh, everyone had a modulated tone you know, that's how the, like, the, that's what the murmuring was like. Uh, you know, at a distance, you say, that's some good murmuring. Got to get that on a loop to sleep to. And indistinct murmuring is still at a distance. Plus, sometimes it's hard to hear stuff because the wiggity-wiggity wagon that wobbles uh, uh, can make a lot of racket, uh, and it's just strange that a cat, you know, Korg could, could just sleep through all that racket. And despite how calm everything was, uh, there was something that struck uh, Zeke and, and Korg even. It's just strange uh, that everybody was still just milling around. And uh, people had looked over at the two of them. And, uh, and then Zeke kind of found a nice little uh, alcove to park the wagon and, and cor- the corrugator in, made a little, uh, like, t- took a jacket and, and or sweatshirt and made it into more of a nest. Uh, and then cor- the corrugator uh, did some impressive stretching and walking around the wagon just to establish, like, a cat-like dominance in case anyone was watching you know, with the confidence, let's see, that cool confidence cats have, uh, because, you know, cats, they're, uh, you know, they're cool and they're confident. They're cats, uh, you know, even when people are allergic to cats, uh, they can appreciate how, like, uh, that situation, they can establish a subtle, uh, with just their body movements and the way they move their bodies, I realize that sometimes I say, repeat myself to cats, I know, uh, that they, uh, you know, they they can set the tone, say, this is my wagon and my friend's wagon. It might be a wiggly, wiggity, wobbly wagon, but it's ours, and I'm going to be resting in here. I just demonstrated my limberness, and now I'm going to go into such a deep sleep because I'm so confident uh, I've made that clear. So, you know, stay out of the wagon zone. I know you will. And so that that was impressive. Uh, but to Zeke, Zeke was still like, what's going on? And then finally, Zeke went up to a woman 
and said, uh, what's going on here? Uh, which, what, what, so, you know, nobody's around. And they said, oh, we're, we're waiting to be entertained. And uh, Zeke said, huh, that's interesting. Uh, what time's the show start? And the, the person kind of didn't seem to hear them. Uh, and Zeke said, well, something's amiss here. Wherever, wherever we are, whatever town we're in, uh, something seems to be... I don't know if it's a miss or remiss. Uh, I think remiss. I think Zeke said to Zeke's self, uh, "It would be remiss if I didn't do something or get to the bottom of this." Plus, like from a common sense perspective, uh, from a busker's perspective, uh, traveled to this city or, or town, you know, hoping to, you know make to, to to make enough money to travel on. So. These could be my customers, you know, also presuming everybody in town's in here, the, the trains probably aren't traveling on time. And so make the most of it, I guess, would be the summary of what went through Zeke's mind. And what Zeke did is just to sit down, actually, on the wagon, back down on the wagon, next to, to the corrugator, up against this wall, boombox in Zeke's lap, uh, Oh, boombox! You're right. Thanks, kids. Uh, it's a, uh, it's a uh, like a big thing with two speakers to play music, uh, usually via the radio or a cassette tape player. Yeah, though boomboxes do also have like uh, aux in and stuff. Uh, and so uh, Zeke sat there, and it felt like something about maybe the travel, the candlelight, the relaxedness of the corrugator, the comfort of the wagon, leaning up against ancient uh, bricks um, below the town, and again all that murmuring. As he kind of d- d- dozed off uh, uh, for a while, but then what was even... Uh, like, I guess, less wild. What could get less wild than that is that, like, Zeke woke up later and everything was still the same. Uh, People were uh, still milling about and uh, still murmuring, and nothing had happened. But again, everything seemed so relaxed, uh, too. So, because Zeke thought about different TV shows where stuff like this happened, and Zeke said, well, none of that seemed as relaxed as this. So relaxed, the corrugator's still asleep, and uh, I'm still asleep. Uh, and uh, then Zeke said, well, let's just check in here. And so Zeke went up to another person and said, hey, what what are you waiting for? What, what, what? And they said, we're waiting to be entertained. And uh, Zeke said, okay. How am I going to get to the bottom of this? Uh, I mean, I think I need to entertain. And then uh, Zeke said, uh, maybe use my entertainment uh, to uncover what's happening here in town. And so Zeke went back to the wagon and kind of picked up the corrugated cardboard and the corrugator, the corrugator looked up at Zeke and then went back to sleep, or so we were led to suppose. You know, because sometimes we can't tell with you cats. Like, uh, you know, you really do have, uh, I know they talk about nine lives, uh, but, I, you know, what I appreciate is your sixth and seventh senses. 
And the fact that you readily accept apologies from people that say, well, you know, it could be, I could have been nicer to cats and I, I have been pretty nice. Uh, so, uh, you know, there was one time I was nice when that cat sneezed in my mouth. Remember that? Uh, that was my sister's cat, uh, sat on my chest, sneezed in my mouth. Uh, so Zeke looked around this vaulted area and tried to find a place like it that seemed like center stage. Uh, and actually there was this like raised alcove with a high ceiling, like kind of like a, I don't know, like just a perfect spot uh, to, like, to get everybody's attention. And Zeke did that in a, like, a very like subtle way. Like, put a cardboard down, walk all the way back across the rooms uh, to the wagon, went and got the boombox. Again, everybody was murmuring, but now they're murmuring, like, oh, boy, stage is getting set up here. And then Zeke got candles, and just like it was an old theater, put the candles at the front of the stage. At some point, the corrugator hopped down and walked across the rooms and then hopped to the backstage left, uh, curled up in the corner. And uh, then Zeke started stretching a bit in front of the stage, not on the stage, not on the cardboard, uh, and doing some pacing and, uh, like, uh, like uh, getting ready, but at the same time, like, watching the room, saying, huh, again, everybody's just waiting to be entertained. I don't get it. And Zeke, like, uh, like no, Zeke had studied a lot uh, since he was a lad or a, a young boy to being, a, I guess, a young man. Uh, had, you know, worked and talked to other buskers and studied buskers and all of those things. And uh, Zeke had learned a lot uh, from mimes and musicians and you know, pantomime, you know, people that do pantomime. I don't know if that's different than mimes, uh, but so many things. So Zeke kind of was doing some miming, like making sure everything was right to kind of build up anticipation and uh, like uh, getting ready. And then Zeke got up on stage, like Zeke was going to um, do something, but then Zeke put Zeke his fingers to his lips uh, and said, huh, and then got back down and then, you know, when that happened, everybody turned and was facing the stage and starting to gather closer in. And then Zeke said, uh-huh, uh, like, uh, checking everything. It hopped on stage and said, okay, okay, everybody, I hope you're ready to be entertained. Uh, and tonight's entertainment, because now it was night, you know, it had been the middle of Saturday afternoon, now it's Saturday night, uh, as Zeke said, tonight's entertainment will uh, consist of uh, one of two performances. Uh, I'm trying to decide which one to perform because uh, they only can do one. And then people said, oh. Uh, and Zeke said, I could either do The Skeptic's Dilemma or The Boy That Found His Hips. Uh, and everyone looked at each other quizzically. Because neither of those titles was immediately grasping, but the idea that they would only get one was also like made it even more of a thought moment. Uh, and uh, somebody said, "You know, did he say skemdik's uh, dilemma, demdik's salama, salama?" 
He said, no skeptics dilemma. Oh, what was the other one again? A boy in his hips, I think. Uh, oh, remember that? Like, and then uh, uh, Zeke said, okay, okay, I- I'll find a way to deliver Bolt. And then there was a smattering of applause as uh, Zeke prepared to, to, to perform and, you know, did the whole thing of, like, stretching again and cracking knuckles uh, or just stretching the fingers. And then Zeke said, okay, well, what kind of music uh, should we play here? And, uh, I don't know, again, I don't know the mechanics of this boombox. Uh, so I don't know if it was mixed saves or it was actually a digital boombox that looked like a mechanical one. Uh, but Zeke hit a button and it just laid down like a nice, uh, like a downbeat or whatever. Just a nice, uh, like, loop uh, to set the tone. And uh, Zeke said, well, just once I, tonight, tonight I'm going to tell you a story uh, in dance. Uh, it's about a, a boy that never believed in hips uh, before. And people even, you know, shouted at the ridiculousness of a boy that didn't believe in hips. Uh, and uh, Zeke said, okay. like, And uh, Zeke started doing a little bit of walk dancing. And I don't think I, I guess I should probably not try to capture what Zeke was actually doing, but with what the story Zeke was conveying, since I'm not a dancer per se, I, I, it's tough for me to like uh, quantify the moves. Uh, but we'll just say they were so transcendent uh, that the dance uh, be, became enveloped in story uh, in a way that. Uh, even the audience, uh, I don't know if they were aware that Zeke was even dancing, to be honest with you. Or they were so swept up at the moment. But Zeke was moving. Zeke was dancing. You could say at moments that Zeke was grooving. Uh, but Zeke told the tale, uh, started out and said, Well, long ago, uh, there was a boy. And uh, the boy, like... Uh, uh, grew up uh, learning to question everything and uh, qu- questioning, you know, why is this or why is that? And and as the boy even grew more, and, and they said, who would teach a boy this? And they said, it was the teaching of the kingdom. Uh, it was a kingdom of uh, skeptic, skepto, skeptopia that was called... Uh, and this was a new show. You know, Zeke was trying to make it re- I mean, I'll just give you like a meta moment. Zeke was really trying to get to the bottom of what was happening here in this moment. But Zeke said, oh, yeah, he was raised in Skeptopia. And uh, like uh, to, 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 to question everything and to counter everything. So if someone said something, sometimes you should just take a counter position you know, the whole skeptical thing. This was all done through dance, too. And showing, the like, uh, the queen of Skeptopia, you know, the, the patriarch, you know, the post-patriarch moments of Skeptopia, the whole history, the, everything. And all coming back to this boy, like, learning about uh, it being a resident of Skeptopia. But there was one thing, Zeke said, that was different about this boy. Uh... And then Zeke said, one day, you know, because he couldn't just, like, live in an isolated city-state, uh, the boy had to travel 
with his aunt who owned a, like a, like a, like a, what do you call those things? A fabric business, uh, bolts of fabric. And, uh, she, she, she was a merchant, a fabric merchant. And the boy said, I went to this town, uh, and, you know, we were supposed to, you know, like, like our trips to other places were supposed to reinforce our skepticism. And uh, so my aunt constantly told me to be, you know, all the reasons to reinforce my skepticism. But the boy said one time when I was sitting in the wagon, uh, waiting for her to complete a purchase, uh, across the town square, I saw a dancer dancing and moving and, and Zeke started doing these wild moves uh, full body like waves and gyrations and also a dance of Zeke being enthralled with the dancing maybe even you know some uh, whatever you recall that uh, when it's uh, you're flow- you know you're flowering inside too and you say, whoa, this is, dance is making me feel something. And it was like a dance that involved a lot of, but like, uh, and, and then there was a dance partner. And I don't know, no, like, uh, bachata, uh, I don't dance that, but, uh, or lombada was originally like, uh, but it was a very, like, uh, like when the two partners, like, it was a whole story. Zeke was just trying to piece it together. And like uh, Zeke said, and then we headed back to Skeptopia, and Zeke like uh, found uh, that uh, was trying to recreate all these moves, and uh, then Zeke was de- like got discovered the next day dancing with a broom, and attempting some of these like uh, these dance moves. Uh, and it was it became a bit of a to do around town because it, like uh, everybody was always keeping an eye on everybody else because everybody was so skeptical because they said well it's, it's be skeptical stay skeptical uh, and they said well Zeke what are you doing uh, and Zeke said uh, dancing uh, no they had dance there it was just like uh, like not uh, super interesting you know not like. Uh, like it was just the dances about, you know, it fit the, the 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 theme of that era, and that kind of was too much of a think piece too for the audience. So Zeke did a dance for that, uh, and whatever they said, uh, you can't dance like that. And at first, it became this theme for the stage in Zeke's life, uh, or the care—I don't know. I'm getting my characters. It was, it was so transcendent. Zeke's performance, which uh, of this character's life, and that it was a struggle against uh, the parents and the, the society, because Zeke wanted to do a non-skeptical dance, like dance about feelings, uh, dances about unknown inquiries and uh, curiosity and curious urge, you know, and, and all those things, not just one of those things. Uh, and so the the count, you know, everybody met because this was uh, the, like, just like in these type of uh, stories, like the adults uh, said, what are we going to do about this? Because other kids are going to learn about it. And they said they called the town elders and they said, okay, what are we going to do? We got to get, like, either, like, uh, they said, well, maybe Zeke could go 
We could send Zeke and a or Zeke or the boy on a journey. And I guess this was maybe it was Zeke's story, but it was just that uh, you know the, the things were so close together. And so uh, they said, no, 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 we can't, uh, we can't, uh, we got to do something. And then they said, what about? Uh, uh, and then someone said, we're facing the skeptics' dilemma. And someone said, what is it? And they said, only the, like, only the keepers of skepticism, the greatest secrets of skepticism can know what the skeptic's dilemma is. Uh, and then they, they huddled these, the, these village elders and said, uh, what are we going to do about this kid and the dancing? And one wise, uh, I mean, wise in this situation, I mean, not wisdom for good, said, uh, well, I notice he doesn't move his hips very much yet, probably because of, like, uh, all these ideas we planted in his head. So if we could just, uh, if we could bring him in and make him forget about his hips, uh, he'll never, you know, he'll never fully flourish as a dancer. Then we could send him out in the world with no hip, you know, with no knowledge of his hips, uh, because we'll use the great, you know, techniques, uh, you know, you know we'll, we'll convince him he has no hips uh, and uh, send him out in the world as a dancer then and he'll return to us uh, even more skeptical than before. And uh, some people were really starting to get into this because it wasn't like Zeke was standing there telling a meandering story. Zeke was dancing a corrugator was watching Zeke and moving around sometimes and once took a bath, a uh, cat bath. Uh, so everybody was entertained by this. Uh, and then Zeke said, okay, I got to take a water break uh, here. We'll take five and we'll get back to the dancing. But everybody uh, stay close to the stage because I want to get it. You know, this is a part of the show. And so some people went off. But for the most part, people stayed around and said, wow, we should like, uh, it's interesting and Zeke says, so is everybody finding themselves entertained? And they were saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Zeke said, geez, if I was a skeptic like the kid in the story, I'd wonder uh, what everybody was doing down here, just waiting to be entertained instead of uh, up in their beauty. I mean, this is beautiful down here, don't get me wrong. And being entertained down here seems mighty nice. Uh, but uh, got that town square there, and probably people like... Uh, Zeke said, is this like a scheduled thing? And uh, the people said, uh, we don't we don't know. Like, uh, we, we, just, we, we just know we're all down here waiting to be entertained. Uh, and Zeke said, uh, interesting, interesting, interesting. Okay. Uh, and, and again, there's something that uh, Zeke couldn't shake, uh, but that was slowly... Uh, cracking itself like an egg within with inside of Zeke, or peeling itself like a self-peeling onion, layer after layer, peeled by the subconscious of, uh, you know, whatever. So Zeke hopped back on stage uh, and returned to, to the dance, uh, but soon realized uh, that something greater was happening. You know, the, the reason the storyteller was so confused sometimes was because not only were the it was so interesting watching uh, and just wondering if any cats were listening, if, they, you know, the podcast was also meow, meow, 
like, uh, you know, they knew that they were just as important tonight for tonight's episode. We're always, of course, uh, you know, the greatest, uh, plain and simple. Uh, but Zeke had realized, uh, and Zeke had saw something in the eyes of the corrugator, because the corrugator was, uh, like, clearly a, w- a cat with wisdom, maybe more, we don't know. Uh, but Zeke said, I'm going to get back to my dance. And Zeke kind of showed uh, through the next round of the story how uh, the, the the boy started to go out in the world and dance without his hips, uh, without a knowledge of his hips, uh, and how that wasn't easy. That added this extra, oh boy, I mean, talk about not easy, not just with dancing, with walking, and with, you know, finding, you know, whatever, sh- I think it was a chakra down there also was related to the hips. Uh, so, you know, it was a life that this dancing boy doth led until one day this boy, and as he kind of showed this, uh, uh, met this cat, uh, uh, a cat named uh, without a name at the time. And uh, the cat was watching a set of dancers uh, in a town that Zeke had only planned on being in for a little while, or the boy. And these were break dancers. It was a B-girls and a B-boy breaking it up. I mean, breaking it down. And uh, Zeke just watched mesmerized next to this cat, uh, and, uh, you know, like, uh, then again, Zeke went back to where, uh, he was crashing and the cat followed him and Zeke was like, uh, well, there's a lot of moves because of, now Zeke had overcome a lot by learning to dance without the hips and becoming a dancing busker. Again, a story for another time. Mostly like wood, like a lot of Zeke's early work, uh, or this boy's work was a uh, mechanical soldier, mechan- you know, tin person, robot, uh, wooden puppet, Pinocchio style, like hipless dancing. But Zeke was so mesmerized by some of these, uh, and maybe it was because it was like uh, B-boys and B-girls, like uh, that there was this other element of drawing Zeke in. Uh, but then, you know, this was like where Zeke felt a little bit down. And then Zeke said, uh, wait a second, uh, I, I, I've been, my, my, my hips, I don't know how, like, uh, like, and then the, 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 what they taught him, what they tried to ingrain in Zeke, uh, and this boy, the kid, the dancer, this is all again on stage happening, like, uh. It was a realization. No, they don't want me to know my hips. Uh, so I'm going to work harder to discover my hips. Uh, and Zeke started actually studying the movement of the cat, like of corrugator, and of other people walking, other people dancing, just watching their hips at a distance, a distance. And slowly, this is over, like, like again, and this happened on the stage. And again, this audience didn't care because they were, uh, like they were in it, like whether this is a 12 hour performance or not, of Zeke slowly learning to move and, and, uh, um, shake, you know, shake, twist, uh, move your hips, uh, at all as a part of a dance. 
And so that was demonstrated. And then it, like, triggered a release of joy, uh, of fullness, uh, a complete dancing, where now break dancing, all the dances, uh, even, like, elements of bachata, were all unlocked uh, for Zeke. Uh, and also a friendship was formed with the corrugator. But also something else, uh, like, is then... Uh, now that this boy knew his hips and then eventually found a wiggity-wiggity wagon, uh, there was also something that by uh, freeing Zeke's hips, uh, the boy's hips, uh, uh, Zeke said to the audience, and then I found myself here in this town square, not far away. And at first, uh, you know, I just thought this is where the town square is, not far from the old town and the new town. Uh, this is where the people would be gathered uh, to watch a busker. Why was it so easy for me to find it? Uh, why was it so natural for me to just go there? You know, why did my hips lead me here? And uh, everyone didn't know except for Zeke and the corrugator uh, why. And, uh, and then Zeke said, and then I thought about that term, the skeptic's dilemma. For me, it was the dilemma. You could be you you could be skeptical, but you can't can't be fully skeptical and know your hips. Uh, in order to unlock them, you know the, those you know to move move, uh, you have to at least set some of that skepticism aside. Uh, but the dilemma is. Uh, that sometimes you end up, uh, and and then it was just slow dawning. Zeke didn't have to say it. Uh, people started to get, they started to say, what are we doing? How long have we been down here? Like, uh, like what are, we've just been down here waiting to be entertained. Aren't we supposed to be doing other stuff? Uh, and people started to remember, oh, well, I got, I said, well, I'm not sure about the weather. Well, you know, we could go around down below the city and just wait to be entertained well, I'm not sure about all his visits. Well, we could shut down the train system and then go down and below, you know. And uh, then Zeke started to realize uh, that uh, they could all perform together. And uh, Zeke started to teach them this dance called the Skeptic's Dilemma, in, which is, you know, hip-based dance where your hips are like, uh, like some hip thrusting, in some hip tilting, uh, to sh- to shake yourself free from the, the, this like a uh, full skepticism, you know, it's okay to have a healthy skepticism. This dance would indicate, and eventually Zeke realized, you know, that this was a town. I this is where I grew up. Uh, I'd almost forgotten about it, uh, and uh, now I, I, you know, I've like discovered a new level of it. And everybody like said, "Oh yeah, you were the kid. You were the kid that liked the dancing that we tried to get to the like." And they said, uh, "Yeah, the town elders are the ones that told us to go down here." And eventually, what Zeke realized is, uh, "May I just move on?" Because you know, then they said, "Well, we like your idea of uh, you know freeing everyone from the skeptics' dilemma." And, and Zeke said, you know what, I, I'm just going to like hop on the next train now that you've started the trains again at least. And maybe one day I'll make my way back here with another dance. Uh, 
you know, slightly less skeptical dilemma. And that was like when Zeke went to the next town after that, uh, realized uh, that two other people had wandered in that town, the founders of the Purple People's Circus. Uh, and then they caught Zeke's show, which had a new level of uh, uh, passion and, and, and in presentness and connection with the audience and, and more and more stories because it was real and authentic. Uh, and Zeke knew, uh, I have to use my hips, I have to use my dance, my break dancing, and more to pull these, uh, the, make sure these people don't end up in the skeptic's dilemma, even though it's not totally clearly defined exactly what it is. Uh, uh I, I can, you know, help them, uh, with my performing and, uh, the people from the Purple People Circus said, we'd love for you to join us. That's kind of what we do, too. We, we, you know, we're trying to get joy and surprise and fun and entertainment. Uh, and uh, Zeke's joined them. And, and uh, you know, that's kind of like, uh, you know, another, you know, when they coming to a town near you one day, maybe. Uh, so that's it. That's the tale of uh, a boy in his wiggity-wiggity wagon, his cat named the Corrugator. You know how I guess how he found his rediscovered his hips and uh, overcame the skeptic's dilemma. Good night.